Hey, everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. You got to have the riddles. On this episode, mom reviews the classic film White Christmas. Let's bring mom in now. How you doing, mom? Doing great. Doing great. How about you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, not too stressed out by the holidays? <laughs> I think we're stressed out trying to record the podcast. Yeah, and we already talked about that, in fact, but we just cannot get a good connection today from Chicago to New Hampshire. So, All right, if you can hear me, we'll start with the dining out story. Okay. This year I said to Dad... Let's go out, do some Christmas shopping, and we'll go have a nice lunch someplace, and then we'll come home. You know, kind of change it up. Except that Dad does not really like to shop. He doesn't mind being the chauffeur, but he he waits in the car, so it's like sort of like shopping with Pop Pop. And um, shopping with I love what? the time that we, you know. Pop Pop or Grandpa or, you know, the chauffeur. Yeah, okay. He waits in the car. I go into the store and do shopping, and it's not quite the spirit I was looking for. But anyway, we were going to end up the day with a very nice lunch together. So we went to a, a sit-down restaurant, uh, you know, not fast food and whatever, and uh, we've eaten there before. And we ordered our food, and I ordered a cheeseburger, not too exotic, whatever. And it comes to the table, and the waiter comes up and says, how is everything? Can I get you anything? And I said, can I get some relish? And he said, I'll I'll be right back. And he comes back, and he says, we don't have any relish. And I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, but we just don't have any kitchen. I'm sorry. So, yeah, okay, no big deal. Then the manager comes over. How's your meal? How is everything? And I said, how come you don't have any relish? And this was her answer. Well, it's just something we don't have. Oh, well, that explains it. That's what I said. Well, now we know. But how can a restaurant, I mean, am I the only person in the world that likes relish on a hamburger? Love relish on a burger. I don't eat too many burgers these days, but when I have one, I'd love to have some relish on it. Ooh, yes. Well, if you're in Concord, don't go to the common man because they don't have any relish. Although oh, she did you were the common man? Some... I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Why? Tell me. <sighs> You know, I know they have their uh, New Hampshire restaurant empire, and it seems like a quite successful chain, and they certainly market the hell out of themselves. You feel like you're ending, entering a common man world when you go into one of these places, because they've just got newspaper articles covering the walls and, and promotional photos, and it's just like, look at this. Look, We are gods of the restaurant world. But you also get the feeling like they have their way of doing things, and that is the way to do it. And so yeah. not having relish and not even like I can't imagine being a restaurant manager and not saying, oh, we're so sorry about that. Um, can we give you some extra pickles or something like it's such a simple request. 
Um, but well, having, she did offer to chop up some pickles. For me. She did. Okay. Well, that's nice. Um, but but not what I want. No, I know. I know. Um, and she did tell me that they sometimes have relish in the summer for events, which was not much help to me at the time, eating my burger. Well, but yeah, come back in the summer whenever they're having a big shindig, the uh, relish yeah, weekend. For an event. Yeah. <laughs> but today, you're out of luck. Yeah, I just, they're kind of smug, I guess, is how I would put it, the common man people. So I'm not, I'm not shocked by that response. Well, I did have to, also, I had forgotten how uncomfortable it is to use the bathroom there. Oh, right. With the, uh, with the granny chirping about her, yeah. all her homespun wisdom. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. weird. We talked about that this summer after my visit We did, visit and we don't have to rehash it. Well, if you if you missed it, the recap is that they've um, they've got this granny character who's like from the Snuffy Smith comic strip, is what she reminded me of. For the two percent of listeners who know what that is, but um, she's just telling these lame jokes and these little stories that don't go anywhere um, or really mean anything. And it's just piped into every bathroom. This hominess. Another loudly. See, this is, it's just another, like, instance of the sort of weird common man notion of hospitality. Yeah. Well, it's seeming a little cultish to me now, so. Yeah, that's uh, that's I'm a good not... word for it. Okay. okay. Now, let me tell you my mug story. Okay. So I saw this mug on Facebook that was very funny, I thought. And I don't have it in front of me, but it said something like, to my wonderful daughter-in-law, uh, I can't remember what it says, but then it says... <laughs> oh, didn't you send me a picture of this? I think I have a I picture did. of it. Okay, I got it. Do you want me to tell you tell people what it says? Yeah, tell me what it it's says. It's quite verbose. It says, uh, this is all on a mug, by the way, uh, with a picture of a flower on it, no less. It says, to my dear daughter-in-law, I didn't give you the gift of life. I gave you my amazing son. Thank you for not selling him to the circus. I know how tempting that option is some days. Love, your mother-in-law. It's quite an epistle on the side of this mug. Yeah, and I thought, well, this would be a good mug for Anna to break because she seems to break everything. I'm only kidding. That's a joke. But, you know, I'm tired of the mugs that you do have, to be honest. Oh, when you come visit, you're not satisfied with our selection of mugs? Well, the mug I like is on a shelf that I cannot reach. And which mug is that? It's the Loopy U mug that's on the very top shelf, and I can't reach that. The Loopy U mug. Okay, well, we'll be sure to bring that down for your next visit. Um, What about this mug? So this mug I thought was kind of funny a little quirky, a little weird. And so I thought I would just get it for Anna because a mug, it's a mug, you know? You, mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of funny, right? Yep. So it comes in the mail after quite a wait. And the word some is spelled S-I-M-E. What? Yeah. So <laughs> I contact the company and... I also went on on Facebook and saw it that everybody's getting the same mug with the word S I M A. 
So I contact customer service. She asked me, and now this is like on chat. This is on a, yep. a customer service chat. Yep, I get it. Okay. And I say, in my mug, it was misspelled. What was misspelled? Now, when I go on Facebook afterwards, I can see there are just hundreds of people that have ordered this mug and gotten it misspelled. So she knows where it's misspelled. Yeah. And so I tell her. She says, oh, I'm so sorry, but that's what you ordered. <laughs> I said, wow. What I said, what do you mean that's what I ordered? Why would I order a mug with a misspelling on it? And then she sends me a, like a link, and which I do not press because I know it's going to take me out of conversation. I'm not leaving this conversation. And I said, it doesn't make any sense. And she says, I think you know you got what you ordered. That's what you ordered. And I said, well, I think you're an idiot because why would I order something like this? And she says that it's copyrighted by the by the artist, and we can't change it. Huh. Because in the picture you sent me, which I assume is from their Facebook page or some official outlet of theirs, yeah. it is spelled properly. Yes. Um, so... so um, I said, well, you know, that's, that's, that's really just not acceptable. Now, mind you, I went into this not really expecting anything, and Anna's going to get this ridiculous good mug. Um, because they're not going to do anything. But I have gone on to their Facebook page every time it pops up and warned people. So that's what little bit I can do. Well, call your credit card company. But, well, I paid for it through PayPal, and yeah. I don't know. You know, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. And I, and it is ridiculous, and it's even funnier misspelled. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny at all misspelled, so I guess that helps. Not the funniest <laughs> mug to begin with, in fairness, right? Well, it isn't the funniest mug. But, but it's kind um, of funny because of that, and I think that's what drew you to it, right? I mean, that's right. if brevity is the soul of wit, then this is the most soulless mug I have ever seen. And the picture doesn't go with what it says. No. I mean, no. it's just, there's just everything in the world wrong with this mug. Yeah. You know, the more we talk about it, the more the misspelling really crystallizes the potential of the mug. <laughs> right? Like, this is the best. The sign is the best this mug is going to get, actually, now that I think That's of it. That's right. That was my mug story, but I did enjoy being told that was right ordered. Yeah, you dumb wow. idiot. Um, yeah. It is a little alienating to have these interactions where... Um, just can't seem to agree even on fundamental principles of how we go about our lives, right? Which seems to happen right. so often yes. with customer service. Yes, yes. And it is interesting how um, you feel like you're going to get that instant gratification because you're on this chat, yeah. but then I might as well be talking to my cat. Yeah. Anyway, now I have a serious question for you. Okay. This is really a serious question. 
I am, I'm not sure how to ask this correctly, but I am pretty upset that Michael Vick is going to be the uh, symbolic leader, mentor of the Pro Bowl Legends team. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl Legends team. Okay, I have to look this up. I don't know what this is. And I know he, you know, served his time. He committed a crime. But is he really the best we can come up for for this position? Um, you don't like him participating in any prominent NFL activities is what you're saying. And you, in case people don't know, Michael Vick is a, um, a former NFL quarterback, uh, somewhat legendary for just his sheer athleticism and a very exciting player to watch, but um, had his career and his life derailed when um, it was found that he was deeply involved in dogfighting. And he's served his uh, sentence and he's full-fledged citizen again, but you you object to him, maybe not to him being involved with the NFL, but for him being elevated to a captain of this Pro Bowl Legends team. Is that right? Right. That's right. I wonder if you have any feelings about that. Do you feel like he served his time? Let's move on. And, and, I, and again, I do agree. He served his time. Let's move on. But I don't want to, I don't want to, see him and, and I know he's on some Fox you know panel football blah 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 thing and I'm not really crazy about that but I don't watch those shows yeah. so well you're not going to watch the Pro Bowl I assume either well I certainly will not but I'm interested in who's sponsoring it because I would not like to support that yeah um well, the 2020 Pro Bowl will be presented by Verizon, so if Verizon is your uh, phone carrier, you might want to change it if you're so inclined. Uh, as for what I think about it, I think that um, he was doing a bad thing and that he, um, since this blew up, he really has conducted himself the way you would hope that someone who made bad choices in their life would behave. Um from everything I've seen, he understands um, the atrocities he committed and regrets them. So, yeah, I don't mind seeing him, even though I think it's terrible what he did to those dogs. I do believe in a society where we have second chances. And I think that sometimes if you're going to live in such a society, you have to deal with people who might make you cringe a little bit or might make you recoil like we have to have that level of tolerance that said, you have no obligation to watch him or to or to think about him or to applaud him. So I think you're well within your rights to not only not watch, but hold people responsible who support him, if that's your feeling on it. You have not forgiven him is the long and short of it. Fair to say? No, no, I have forgiven him. You have? I just don't. But now I don't I don't need to see you in a position in your field like that. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get an award from the SPCA because you've contributed days or your time or your, you know, whatever, then, then I'll see you, but I want to see you being clapped for 
in your given field where you made such fame and such money while you were committing this these heinous crimes against dogs and then said you didn't know better. It's like, what? Well, uh, it's not clear to me how you define forgiving him. Well, he doesn't have absolution. I forgive him. And I'm glad that he served his time and came out a better person and maybe more aware. But does he have to be put on a on this football pedestal now? I, um, well, he is quite an accomplished football player. So um, I think, you know, to me, he was punished and he responded and he went through a bad time in his life. But I just I don't know what I mean. You brought up the SPCA thing, I presume, because he actually did all that stuff and he was featured by um, a local SPCA for his work he's done in uh, promoting animal welfare and in rescuing pit bulls. So he's done that piece of it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I just don't understand how you can forgive well, you're him. you're right. Maybe I haven't forgiven him. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm kind of coming around to, it feels like. Because if he can't ply his trade in the, in the field that he's chosen since youth, then... Seems like a little extra judicial punishment you're looking for. So he can only bag groceries for the rest of his life. Is that his, uh, with no respect intended to grocery baggers, but he can only, he can't do any football jobs? Yeah, I guess, I guess on reflection, I haven't forgiven him. Yeah. I don't think you have to forgive him. If it's that upsetting to you, and understandably so, I don't think you're under any obligation to personally forgive him. But I do think that in the society we like to think that we live in, um, that you have to tolerate him. That, to me, is that's that's the key distinction is forgiveness or tolerance. Boy, that that's a tough one for me. Yep. Well, I understand. All right. Well, I'm going to give that some thought uh, because I did think I had uh, forgiven him, but I think I have not. Well, you don't have to, but it is the Christian thing. Please don't go on the God thing, okay? Okay. All right. Shall we move on to our review? We shall. All right. This week, Mom and I are talking about White Christmas. The 1942 film Holiday Inn featured a dozen songs by prolific American songwriter Irving Berlin, but the one that stuck most firmly in the public consciousness was a ditty called White Christmas. Twelve years later, White Christmas got the marquee treatment in a film by the same name. The film, now a staple of holiday TV, stars Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye as a pair of singing, dancing World War II vets who take an impromptu vacation to Vermont with a pair of singing, dancing sisters, played by Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. Upon their arrival in New England, the men discover they're staying at an inn that's run by their old general from the war, a general who the army doesn't want back. Crosby and Kay endeavor to boost the old man's spirits the only way they know how, by putting on a show. Here's a clip. I not be bad at that, you know, the snow-covered slopes, the skiing, the Christianas and the stemming and the plotzing and the shushing, hot buttered rum, light on the butter, and snow. Snow, 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 snow. It won't 
be long before we'll all be there with snow. Snow, snow. I want to wash my hands, my face in the air with snow. Snow, I long to clear a path and lift a spade of snow. White Christmas is available on Netflix and elsewhere. Mom, are you dreaming of a white Christmas or was it more of a nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the best thing about this movie. Okay. Ready? Yep. Matt sent me an email the other day that said, Madison used to sing. Used to sing Stanley's having a wonderful Christmas time. And that was the best thing about White Christmas. Uh, what? <laughs> I thought this movie was absolutely stupid. <laughs> okay. What does the song you sang have to do with White Christmas, though? Uh, it's just that anything would be better than this movie. Oh, okay. All right, I'm a little confused at this point, but uh, you didn't okay. care for the film, I gather. I didn't. I thought it. I it was it was the least Christmassy thing I've ever seen. I think <laughs> the least Christmassy. How so? What what was Christmassy about it? Um, really, what was Christmassy about it? There wasn't anything. They're anticipating Christmas. That is not Christmas. I mean, it opens with Christmas Eve on the front, uh, and then it's sort of a build back up to the big Christmas back home. The whole movie is in anticipation of Christmas, and then Christmas is the huge payoff at the end. I mean, my God, when those barn doors open at the end and you see the beautiful New England vista with snow falling... Come on, how perfect is that? No. That is not Christmas. <laughs> what what could be more Christmas than that? It lacked any feeling. It lacked um hmm. you know, there was just there was no warm, fuzzy tear in your eye ending. It was just it was I thought it was like a bunch of thrown together songs. And I do love the song Sisters. I think that's that's hilarious. And I like to play sing that with my sister. Yeah. Sisters, sisters, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Caring, sharing, every little but other than that, you know, and it, and also in researching it a little bit, it's all sort of mincemeat pie. The, the part of Danny Kaye was not written for him. He was the third choice, and I, I, I do love his 
his performance. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and I kept looking at not Rosemary Clooney, but the other woman, yeah. Vera Allen, yeah. who kept looking at and thinking, I know who that is. I know who that is. When I finally got on um, the Internet and looked for her, I had no idea who she was. Yeah. But she does you know, have that, life was very. She does have that face. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I also think it's funny that she is playing the younger sister yeah. uh, in this film, younger than Rosemary Clooney. Uh, I believe in real life she's significantly older and appears as such on film. It just didn't didn't really work. And then I, you know, researched her a little bit, and she and I, once she was dancing, I thought, boy, she her legs look odd. You know, she looks oddly proportioned, and of course out she suffered from anorexia and in fact had a very tragic life but other than that I think everybody's performance is just what you need it it was uh, I guess filmed right after the war and you know singing dancing a sort of formulaic story of misunderstanding and being in love and happy ending get on with your life I also read, did you read this part that they they were going to do the ending for uh, King and Queen of some place? So they had them stay as they were to, to do it over again after they, they finished the film. Uh, but Bing Crosby left to go play golf. <laughs> they were going to shoot a different film? No, they were going to shoot the ending again for a visiting King and Queen. Oh, that we're I visiting see. the set. I see. But Bing had to had to go play golf. So. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Well, I completely disoriented at this point in the review. Um, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> As will be everyone else. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, <laughs> we haven't given. Let's just flesh out the story of the film a little bit, um, because I've completely lost my tether to the ground. We've got Bing going to play golf, and there's King and Queen, and I don't know, can you just watch the film next time? All this research is confusing the hell out of me. <laughs> All right, well, the film the film was a very formulaic love story of two couples coming together, two of them hitting it off, two of them having a misunderstanding, coming apart, coming back together, Yay, let the snow fall. That that really is the whole movie. I don't know if you're looking for more, but there isn't more. That's it. Well, I think there is more. And see, here's how All I right. look at it. So here's the here's the story. A mom says it's formulaic, um, but uh, here's the formula. Uh, these two these two fellas, they after the war they created smash hit touring uh, act. Nightclub act, I guess, but they're also performing on Broadway stage act. Let's call it. They sing, they dance. I told you in the intro. Um, and then Danny Kay decides that they need to um, find some partners and settle down a little. They're they're just working too hard, and he wants a little bit easier pace to life. So he works on uh, finding a uh, lady for Bing Crosby, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they encounter these two women in Florida. They end up going to Vermont. It's all very um, the point is to get him up to Vermont where we can have the big smash white Christmas uh, finale. Um, but I have to say, and this is not just my reading, this is a uh, 
and I think that the that someone on the film was aware of this reading as well. I think there's a little wink-wink aspect to this movie because, to me, it's a story of two gay men looking to find a couple of beards. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Yeah. Look, look at me. I missed the whole nuance of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not the text, and it's— but. There is some pretty strong subtext at times, and most notably for me is the scene with Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen, where Vera Ellen schemes to basically get engaged to Danny Kaye so that Rosemary Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby will somehow be forced to get engaged as well. The plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but this is her plan. And he responds as if, um, like, she's she's made of poison. I don't know. Oh, be realistic. Who could you find up here to get yourself engaged to? Well, I I suppose it ought to be someone that I know. Oh, that always helps. Of course, it's got to be a man. It's an absolute must. Oh, no, no, no. I mean a mature man, you know, one with talent and experience. Talent, experience. One that's witty, Witty, gay, gay, charming, charming. Oh, sure. Where are you going to find such a superman? Don't be so modest. Honey, fellas like that don't... Me? Well, you're not exactly Superman, but you're awfully available. Yeah, now, don't get any ideas, Judy. I'm not the marrying kind. Oh, it's just an engagement. Yeah, well, I'm not the engaging kind, either. Well, what kind are you? Well, I'm uh, more the I don't mind pushing my best friend into it, but I'm scared stiff when I get anywhere close to it myself in kind. <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like there was a little wink-wink aspect to this production, and I think it's part of the Hollywood lore around this film that um, there's there's a bit of an undertone to it, shall we say. That's part of what makes it fun for me. All right. Well, I'm going to let you live that little fantasy only because it's Christmas time. Well, it does make the, the movie more fun to watch. Well, given also that they did a dance number. Uh, in drag, yeah. In drag. But that was, they were just fooling around on stage and they filmed that and decided to put that in the film. Oh, I didn't know that either. Well, you should do some research. Oh, well, I don't know if it enhances the review. It mostly disorients me. Um, but yes, that's a fascinating fact. Well, I didn't want you to fall asleep just talking about the movie. I think the movie has a wonder, has some wonderful songs in it. Uh, like, oh, I agree. Well, what Do you mo- want to sing Sisters with me? Sisters, sisters. sisters. Something, something, there something. were never more devoted sisters. Yeah, you dropped out there. <laughs> I did. I forget that. But I do remember. God save the mister who comes between, who comes me, between and my me and my sister. And, my sister. and God, God save the sister who comes, who comes between, between me and my man. man. Okay. <laughs> hey, listeners, I don't know what more you want. This is entertainment right here. Everything but the glitter. <laughs> so the sisters' number is great. All the numbers in this movie are good. So I feel like, yeah. I guess my question is, what are you expecting? Because it's a musical, so the plot is not, you know, of course it needs to hold together, but it's not the most right. crucial thing. It's just to... Well, I do think it barely holds together. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at it as uh, a critic... I can't say that this is going to get you in the Christmas 
spirit very much. Uh, I can't see you running out to the kitchen to make a big pot of hot chocolate and uh, stirring it with your candy cane. You know, I just, I didn't get the Christmas feeling. Hmm. Not like, uh, you know, Dickens' Christmas. What's his, what's his Christmas Yeah, thing? A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. You know, that makes me feel Christmassy. Hmm. You love Scrooge, right? <laughs> well, I love his transformation. Yeah, Scrooge gets you in the mood for Christmas. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And a giant Christmas tree with children gathered around and Bing Crosby singing, danced, dressed up like Santa, that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit. But Scrooge... Yes. Or is it the haunting that makes you feel Christmassy? In the yes, Christmas it's Carol? the haunting. It's... You're just twisting this and turning this. I'm just saying I, I, I didn't get much Christmas warmth from the whole thing. Well, for much of the movie, that's the point, right? They get to Vermont. They're going up to Vermont and they sing on the train, snow, snow, snow. Um, they even make a diorama on the fly in the dining car. How about that scene, huh? They, yes, yes. How, have you ever made an impromptu diorama in your life? I can't say Never. as I have. Never. But they, from uh, some napkins and some stuff they have around the table, they make a very convincing uh, ski slope with trees on it on the way up to Vermont, and then they get there and there's no snow. So for much of the movie, it's the the prevailing air is like, oh, we got to do something about the lack of Christmas spirit around around this place, and then they do. But the Christmas show that they put on. I mean, yeah, they make the general feel good, and they they sing a song for him. But uh, I do, I will agree with you that although I love the grandeur of the barn doors opening and the huge Christmas tableau unfolding, it's such a showbiz Christmas, isn't it? Because <laughs> you do yeah. have Vera Ellen, um, you know, who's just a picture of Hollywood, right? Like all the pressures right. of Hollywood, I feel like are embodied in the frame of this woman. Um, and it's just, it's a grand and very fakey showbiz Christmas. Angle. And let's face it, let's face it, all these men have left their families to come and honor their their general. Is <laughs> You know, that's not what Christmas is about. You know, do you see how absurd that is? <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you're so what mom's talking about is that the the climax of the film is that Bing Crosby gets all the guys from the old uh from his old division, the hundred and fifty first division, uh back together to honor their general at Christmas time. And you're picturing all the families that were left at home. Well, the boys came back to relive their old war memories. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> yes, That's here true. they are. They're all, all for this man who probably could give a rat's ass about it. Really? <laughs> really? They've what? all left their family. They've just come home from war, and now they're going to leave their families again and travel to Vermont. Well, they haven't just come home from war. It's it's a number of years after the war. Well, they all looked pretty fit in their uniforms, so. <laughs> it's not. I'm just saying. It's a number of years later. I don't I don't remember how many, but it's it's like a decade later. 
No. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that the film came out in '54, and I think it's it it's t- the what you see is taking place at the time of the film. We flash back to the front, but what we see okay. is taking place, I believe, in the mid in the mid '50s. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, even worse then, even worse, <laughs> really. Because now they've right? got grown kids at home, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Humbug to the family. I never thought about but... that at all. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> all the Christmases that were ruined so that we could make this general feel good. Huh. That's right. Just give him a hug next time. Yeah. Send him a gift card to Starbucks. Maybe he just wanted someone to sit down and have a chat with him, you know? But instead, Bing Crosby's like, we're going to put on the grandest show ever. <laughs> He's looking to retire, but let's revive his whole business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. They are saving the inn um, somehow by putting on this show. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, love, loved her. Love, really loved her. Um, but there is the misunderstanding um, with uh, the the like nosy. Um, what is she's like the hostess? House, or yeah, the yeah. like the innkeeper. She's not the innkeeper, but she she runs the inn. I don't know what to call her. Well, you could call her the innkeeper. Yeah. Okay. Well, the general's got this innkeeper. She's a nosy busybody, and this woman. I don't know the name of this woman, but she she had a built a career playing busybodies. Um, Didn't she though? Didn't you ever see Dennis the Menace? Did you ever see her on Dennis the Menace? Thank you for saying that. Uh, That's where I've seen her. Yeah, Uh, and she was in a bunch of stuff. I mean, you see her all around. Let me get her. Let me find her name. Um, Mary Wickes. Oh yeah, how could I forget? Yeah, Mary Wickes. Okay, so she overhears a phone call, but she doesn't hear the whole call, and she misunderstands the plan, and she thinks it's very exploitative. So Rosemary Clooney spends much of the movie mad at Bing Crosby, but will never, like it would take one sentence to clear up this misunderstanding. Right. Um, right. But she refuses to, to talk to him about it. So we spend a great deal of the movie waiting for these people to get together, and Rosemary Clooney's just sort of being stubborn. Um, this is the kind of storyline that, when I was a kid, would really stress me out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Because all it takes is one little sentence, like you say. That'll straighten it all right out. One sentence. And now I can find that funny. But it um, it's the type of thing that takes me back to, now this is going to be really dumb, but you used to watch a lot of I Love Lucy. Yeah. And I sure am glad you did because it exposed me to, you know, the old, old shows you would watch on Nick at Night exposed me to a chapter of TV history that now as a critic I'm very glad to be aware of, right? But right. watching I Love Lucy at the time, I found as, you know, maybe a maybe an overly anxious little kid um, really stressful, like that Chocolate Factory episode, one of the funniest episodes of TV ever made. Like, I just could barely take watching that. It was just too, I just, I always just wanted Lucy to succeed, you know, in her endeavors. Right. Lucy deserves to have a job. Lucy deserves to act on screen if she wants, that's how I felt. If she wants to be a singer, let her be a singer. But she would always fail uh, 
Um, and a lot of times there would be these misunderstandings, you know, sitcom uh, formulas uh, where there be misunderstandings would build up and I just couldn't take it. And this misunderstanding is the tension for so many scenes and like a huge chunk of this movie. And you do, I do find myself, even though, again, I can be amused by it, sitting there saying, just say, just tell them what you think is wrong. Right. Just clear it up. <sighs> but it but it makes you feel a little anxious. <laughs> it makes me a little anxious, yes. Yeah. I understand that. But, you know, as a little aside, I do want to tell you this story because I think it's interesting. But on Thanksgiving, I had on my WKRP turkey drop shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Merrick's girlfriend came in, Sarah. And Jade came in, and they both said, oh, what does your T-shirt mean? And I said, it's from the television show, WKRP in Cincinnati. And I just got blank stares from them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why would they know that show? Why wouldn't they? Because it was on in the 70s, and it's, uh, it's not iconic, you know? All right. I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, I love it. But um, So this was your Thanksgiving misunderstanding? They didn't know what WKRP in Cincinnati was? Yeah, so I just, uh, you know, I didn't, I don't, that's it. They didn't watch. They didn't know what it was. They never heard of it. Hmm. Um, that's not really remotely the same thing as I was just talking about, though. Well, you said you were glad you were exposed to I Love Lucy. Oh, oh, I, I see. And you, their upbringing was deficient because they didn't know what WKRP Cincinnati was? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think there are worse oversights for a parent to make. Well. <sighs> okay. White Christmas. That's... <laughs> I don't even know if we talked about the movie at all, but I sure have had fun. Um, we, we need to wrap it up. Mom, what is your grade for White Christmas? Uh, I give it a C. A C? Okay. What's our noise for a C? Just a polite ding? Yeah, that's, that's good. That okay. works. Okay, good. All right. Uh, do you have a recommendation this week, Mom? Oh, I do, but now, <laughs> did I tell you already? You did. I don't know where my notes are. I've... Do you want me to remind you what your recommendation is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My recommendation this work were weak. <laughs> <laughs> no drinking before the next time, okay? Okay. My recommendation is I Am Big Bird. It's the story of Carol Spiney, who was Big Bird. Mm-hmm. And given that he's just passed away, it's it's really worth seeing. It's worth seeing. Oh, it's he's a documentary. Really, it's a documentary, okay. yes. And, you know, I don't know that you'll have any eye-opening moments in it, but it's definitely worth seeing, and I think people will enjoy it. I am Big Bird, the story of Carol Spiney. Now, I have been thinking all this time it was Carol Spinney, so I've learned something here uh, just to begin with. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's see, the podcast is educational eventually. If you listen for 40 minutes, we'll get to something of substance. Um, and where can we find this documentary, Mom? 
on Amazon Prime. Okay. Are, are you unsure about that? Should I look it up? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Amazon Prime because it was not on Netflix. Okay. I Am Big Bird, The Carol Spiney Story. Find it on Amazon Prime. Great, re- very timely recommendation, Mom. There really was quite an outpouring when um, Spiney passed away. I feel like there's a little extra outpouring right now because, you know, we're, it seems like Mr. Rogers has been in the air the past couple of years, and we really are, um, I don't know how to put it, but just reaching back in our past for that spirit of niceness that yeah. feels like it used to define us a little more than it does now. And I think this, this centers us back on that whole idea of uh, what's really important. Good. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom, God willing. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. Again, God willing. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? What What should we talk about, though, next week, Mom? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm really punchy. Something interesting? <laughs> Something interesting. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Maybe don't tell them to listen to this particular episode, but pick your favorite episode. (laughs) We love you. Can't believe we made it to the end of this one. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. I love you too.